All right, good evening. How many fingers do you have? Hopefully you have three. You have three? I want you to turn to Matthew 27. Put a finger there. In Luke 23. In John 19. You say, why are you asking me to put my finger in all these scripture readings? Because I have my sermon printed out so I don't have to turn in my Bible because we're going to fly tonight. And if you have your fingers there, those are the three main passages we'll be in tonight. And uh, you'll be able to turn a bit quicker and not get frustrated. Okay? But we're going to start in Matthew 21. That's why you needed three fingers instead of two, right? All right. I've entitled the message tonight, The Power of the Resurrection. The Power of the Resurrection. Specifically, the power of His resurrection. Matthew 21, beginning reading at verse 4. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the prophets, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek, and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the full of an ass. And the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. He brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes uh, and set him on, uh, thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from the trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he was come down into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? Who is this? Who is this that's come riding into Jerusalem on a donkey? And people are saying, Hosanna. Who is this? Well, the first thing was found actually a quote from Zechariah 9.9. Thy king cometh. The coming King, that's who this is, riding into Jerusalem. The coming king. He's still coming, but a different time. But the coming king. He's also identified in verse number 9 as the son of David. The son of David, the promised one. In John chapter 12, you don't need to turn there. Verse number 13 says, They took branches of palm trees went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna! Blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. Who is this King? According to John's Gospel, the King of Israel. The King of Israel. And they spread palm branches uh, before him. Uh, in, in In Matthew 21, it says they spread branches from trees. And commentators say that these were oak branches. Uh, but I beg to differ with them because oak branches don't lie flat on the ground 
and animals struggle going over things where there's a shadow. That's why we have cattle grids for cattle, right? Because it scares them off and they don't want to cross there. They're unsure of their footing and they don't want to move forward. But they say uh, they spread these palm tree branches and that was a sign, a symbol of victory and of honor, of gratitude and joy and peace. And so what we see here in this passage is the triumph, the triumphal entry of the Lord Jesus into Jerusalem. This was a great day of jubilant celebration. Uh, And we celebrated that last Sunday, actually. Uh, But this great victorious entrance into into Jerusalem. And uh, those that saw and experienced this uh, were crying Hosanna. Hosanna means save now. They thought that this person, this Messiah, this son of David, this king, was to ride into Jerusalem and save them from the Roman oppression. But they had the wrong impression. And so, from this victory, this celebration of joy and jubilation, we entered into the rest of the week. And it only got worse from there. For we went from this triumph to tragedy. We had the betrayal by one who was trusted by the others. Trusted so much so that he kept the money. And I'm not here to tell you that those that keep the money are corrupt and so forth uh, and are going to betray the Lord. Uh, But Judas did. And then we see see the three mistrials. Uh, They were a farce. Uh, We have trials like that today, don't we? And uh, then we had mistreatment of the Lord as they beat Him, as they uh, did cruel things to Him. And then we come to the most tragic situation, the crucifixion. The crucifixion. Why, why was this such a horrible thing? It was horrible because those who uh, condemned him to death were jealous of him. And so I call this tragedy primarily a jealous crucifixion. Jealous crucifixion. Matthew chapter 27, beginning with verse 39. We see several groups of people here. The first of which we find in verse 39. And they that pass by. This is the normal person. This is, this is the average crowd. Reviled him, wagging their heads. And saying, Thou that destroyest the temple and buildest it in three days, save thyself. If thou be the Son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, we come to the second group. Also, the chief priest, and I'm going to switch these words around, the chief priest with the scribes and the elders mocking him said, He saved others, himself he cannot save. If he be the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross and we will believe him. He trusted in God. Let him deliver him now if you'll have him. 
For he said, I am the Son of God. Third group, verse 44. But, and the thieves also, which were crucified with him, cast the same in his teeth. Now, that's a funny expression. It just means they said the same thing. Okay? Uh, so, these three groups uh, didn't have a whole lot good to say about him. They mocked him and reviled him. They uh, made fun of him. And I'm reminded of Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 3, which says this, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. The Lord Jesus endured this suffering, this mocking, this reviling against him. He could have just breathed and would have killed a whole lot of them. But he didn't do that. In fact, the message of these three groups, and we'll find some others in just a bit, uh, were the same. The message was, save yourself. If you are who you said you were, you are, come down off the cross. Prove to us that you are who you say you are. Save yourself. Aren't you glad he did not do that? For if he had come down off the cross, none of us would have had opportunity to trust him as our Savior. And we would have died in our sins and gone straight to hell. But I'm glad that he chose to endure this contradiction of sinners against himself. Luke chapter 23 Verses 35 to 37. And the people stood beholding in a fourth group. The rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself. If he be Christ, the chosen of God. So, who is this? We're still finding out who this is. The Son of God. He's the King of Israel. He's the the, uh, Christ, the chosen of God. Then we come to a fifth group in verse 36. And the soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar. You ever had vinegar? Just straight vinegar? I have to say, I never have. And I also will continue to say, I never will uh, if I can help it. It would be awful. And uh, they offered that to him in mockery. And saying, if thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And so here they say, he's the king of the Jews. So this is the one who rode into Jerusalem that, uh, that Sunday prior. And each of them had the same message, save yourself. And he chose not to. He chose to do what he was sent here to do. And I, I thank him for that. Eternally thank him for that. John chapter 19 Verse 25, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, uh, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. So we see actually three Marys here. And when, uh, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, who was who? John the Apostle. He said unto his mother, woman, behold thy son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own 
home. Now, I've got a question for you. Mary, the mother of Jesus, standing with John and the other ladies that were there. She's looking up at her innocent son, hanging on a cross, dying with no hope. I wonder what was going through Mary's mind. Try to put yourself in her shoes or sandals. What would you have been thinking? Perhaps she was thinking back at Luke chapter number 2 and verse 17 and 18 and 19, which says this, And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard uh, it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. So this was the shepherds coming after the announcement of the heavenly host announcing the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And they come and they express all of this. And Mary heard them. And it says in verse 19, But Mary, instead of wondering about these things, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. I wonder if the day that Christ was crucified, as Mary stood there observing Him, whether she was thinking back at this time of the shepherd's announcement of the Lord. That she had pondered all these years. 33 of them. Or perhaps further down in the passage in Luke 2, verse 34 and 35. And Simeon blessed them and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be spoken against. Yea, a sword shall pierce through thy soul, thy own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. I wonder if as she gazed up into her son's face, whether she was thinking about the sword that Simeon prophesied that would pierce her own soul, not just her son's, but her soul. I wonder if she thought, is this the sword that Simeon was talking about? It was a tragic situation, wasn't it? John chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus, therefore, had received vinegar, so he took the vinegar. He didn't spew it out. He didn't say, thanks, but no thanks. He took it. And he said, it is finished. He bowed his head and gave up the ghost. It is finished is one Greek word. And that Greek word is tetelestai. Tetelestai. Uh, you could always tell the Greek students at the college I went to, especially after they got through with exams, they would walk around campus and say, Tetelestai! Tetelestai! You knew that they were over with their exams and they were thanking the Lord for that. It was finished. Okay? And uh, here Jesus cried... Uh, it is finished. What was finished? His life expired? What was it that was finished? Redemption's plan 
was finished. He had conquered the penalty of sin. He had died for the sins of mankind and it is finished. Notice he didn't say it will be finished. It is finished. Present tense and ongoing. Luke chapter 23 and verse 46. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, that's what he cried, it is finished. He said, My Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. He didn't say, I commend my body, which was broken for us. He said, I commend my spirit. John chapter 19 again, verse 38 and following. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for the Jews, for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. Pilate gave him leave. And he came, therefore, uh, and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night. These two men, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, both secret disciples. Okay? They weren't out there. They were reserved. They didn't want anybody to know we belong to this guy. But here we find after the crucifixion, that they come face to face with Pilate who could have instantly had them executed. They come to him and they beseech the body of Jesus so that they can give him a proper burial. And they're granted this. And they brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight. Then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in linen clothes and uh, with spices, <clears throat> with thus spices, uh, as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. In the garden, a new sepulcher, wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus, therefore, because of the Jews' preparation day, for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. I had a question. Judas had hanged himself by this time. John, the apostle, had taken Mary, Jesus' mother, to his own home. That's two of the twelve. My question is this. Where were the other ten? Why didn't the other ten come as Joseph and Nicodemus and face to face with Pilate and ask for the body of Jesus? Where were they? Well, they were in hiding. Why were they in hiding, though? I mean, especially you think of Peter. Lord, I'll die with you. <laughs> He's nowhere to be seen. He's hiding. Well, I think we can find the answer to that in Matthew chapter 26. In Matthew 26, chapter 26, starting with verse 36, we read, Then cometh Jesus with them unto a place called Gethsemane, which means oil press. 
and saith unto the, to the disciples, Sit ye here while I go and pray yonder. And he took with him Peter, the two sons of Zebedee, also known as the sons of Thunder, James and John, and began to be sorrowful and very heavy. Then saith he unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. Tarry ye here, and what are the next three words? Watch with me. Watch with me. It's a simple instruction, isn't it? Seems like it's easy enough to follow. Watch with me. Verse 39, And he went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not what, not, not as I will, but as Thou wilt. Here, the human side of Jesus surrendering to the divine side of Jesus. Verse 40, And He cometh to, unto the disciples and findeth them watching. Is that what your Bible says? If that's what your Bible says, throw it in the rubbish bin. It's no good. Your Bible probably says, He cometh unto the disciples and findeth them asleep. They're supposed to be watching. Simple instruction. And they're sleeping. And said to Peter, What? Could ye not watch with me one hour? Just one hour, Peter. I mean, come on, that's not all that much to ask. Lest we be too hard on Peter, how many of us watch in prayer with the Lord Jesus for an hour? Verse 41, watch and pray. Why? Why should you watch and pray? that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. The reason we're to watch and pray is so that we can overcome the temptations that enter into our lives. In this case, I believe the temptation that was being spoken of specifically by the Lord Jesus at that moment was His crucifixion became a temptation for them to be cowards. And they passed with flying colors. They were hiding. So we've come from triumph to tragedy and on to turmoil. Can you imagine being there in that whole scenario with all that was going on at that time in Luke chapter 23, verses 55 and 56, we read, and I'm going to just run through these. This is a whole series that all of the writers put together. Okay, I'm just piecing it together for you. And the women also, which came with him from Galilee, followed after and beheld the sepulcher and how his body was laid. So they followed Joseph and Nicodemus to see where they placed the body of Jesus. And they returned and prepared spices and ointments and rested the Sabbath day according to the commandment. What commandment? The commandment of Moses, which says what? Remember the Sabbath to keep it. Okay? So they were keeping the Sabbath day. 
So they prepared this, and then they rested on the Sabbath day. And then in Matthew chapter 28 and verse 1, it says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. Mark chapter 16, verse 3 and 4. And they said among themselves as they traveled to the tomb, Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? They were troubled about that. Who's going to roll this stone away? I mean, this is an insurmountable, impossible task for us. Who's going to do that? You realize that about 95% of the what-ifs in life never happen? (laughs) But yet we use that for an excuse, don't we? Well, what if this... Well, what if... Well, what if it doesn't? Don't let the what-ifs stop us. These, these women were troubled with the what if. Verse 4 says, And when they looked, they saw that the storm was, was rolled away. Job done. Not a problem. For it was very great. Luke chapter 24, verse number 3 and following. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. Wow. He wasn't there. <laughs> and it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they, they the, the two men, said unto them, the women, Why seek ye the living among the dead? What are you doing here looking for this body? Weren't you told? (laughs) Verse 6 says, He's not here, but is risen. Matthew's account says He's risen as He said. That's key. As He said. Just like He said, He's not here. Why are you looking for Him here? Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet uh, yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. It took a reminder, but they now remembered. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Why are we here? What are we doing? We should have known He's not here. He told us He wouldn't be here. Mark chapter 16, verse 7. The men said, But go your way, tell His disciples and Peter that He goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see Him as He said unto you. Again, as He said unto you. This is the instruction. But I have a question again. Hmm. wasn't Peter one of the disciples? That seemed a little redundant that they would tell these ladies, go and tell the disciples and and Peter. Why would they have said that? Well, what was Peter's experience? He denied the Lord three times, just like the Lord said he would. 
uh, he was to himself in his own mind a failure. I have failed my Lord. And so I think he needed a special invitation. And I think this was the Lord's way of saying, Peter, I'm not through with you yet. Yes, you failed me, but I'm not kicking you out. Aren't you glad that when we fail, God just doesn't do away with us? Say, forget it. I'll find somebody else. No, in tenderness and compassion, he said, and specifically tell Peter, so that he understands, I'm not angry with him. I'm not upset with him. I love him just like I love all the rest of them. And I want him to come. Matthew 28, verse 9. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hail! And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Luke chapter 29, verse 9. And returned from the sepulchre, told all these things unto the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles. What was their reaction to this good news? Verse 11, And their words seemed to them as idle tales, and they believed them not. They were just empty words. They were fairy tales. That that couldn't be true. You see, when we're in periods of grief, we oftentimes don't believe reality. We reject it. They believed them not. John 20, beginning of verse 11. But Mary, speaking of Magdalene, stood without the sepulchre weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre. Why did she do that? He wasn't there. What was she looking for? Maybe she was thinking, you know, maybe I, I just overlooked and didn't see him. Verse 12, And seeth two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? And she saith unto them, Because they they have taken away my Lord. She didn't say because he's risen. She said because they have taken him away. Those cruel people, they took the body away. They couldn't even let him rest in peace. They stole his body. And I know not where they have laid him. When she had said, uh, thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing. Knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? It's exactly what the angels asked them. What are you weeping for? What is the problem? What is so heavy that you're shedding tears over this? 
And then he follows up with another question. Whom seekest thou? Who are you looking for? Are you looking for a dead Jesus? Or are you looking for a risen Savior? She's supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said unto her, Mary. One word, her name, Mary. She turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. This verse here proves another scripture that the sheep hear the voice of the shepherd. They're in tune with it. Are you in tune with the shepherd's voice tonight? Do you hear what he's saying to you tonight? Mary finally heard what he had to say. Luke chapter 24, verse 13 and following. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs, about 11 kilometers. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. <clears throat> and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another as ye walk and are sad? Why is this doom and gloom communication between you two? What's it all about? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Hast not known the things which have come to pass uh, there in these days? And he he saith unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we had trusted that it had been he which should redeem, should have redeemed Israel. In their minds, Jesus was the redeemer to take them out of their tragic situation, right? But instead he died. They were confused. How, how could we have gotten this so wrong? Beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, uh, which were early t- at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that, uh, <clears throat> that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. <clears throat> and certain of them, which were with us, went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. This was probably Peter and John as they ran to the tomb after the announcement of these women. And uh, can you imagine? As they ran and they looked, after having testimony of the truth, they looked in and the tomb was empty. Empty. 
Imagine that. It's true. Mark chapter 16 and verse 13. And they went and told it unto the residue. So Peter and John go back and they tell all the rest of them again. What was their reaction to this good news? Neither believed they them. They didn't believe the women. They didn't believe John and Peter. They're still in unbelief of the resurrection. Luke 24 again. Further down in verse 37 and following. This is a setting where they were huddled together in their little convenient room under lock and key, all shut up, safe and sound away from persecutors. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, okay, so the situation was they're all in lock and key and, and nobody can get in, right? Nobody can get out. And here Jesus is standing there and they're like, oh, where'd you come from? Who are you anyway? Verse 38, And he said unto them, Why are you troubled? And why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones as ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. So what was their reaction to this good news? The reality of the Christ, the Son of God, standing right in their midst. What was their reaction? And while they yet believed not. How thick was their skull? <laughs> they still didn't believe. They didn't believe for joy and wondered. Uh, and he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish and over honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. And he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. That's the entirety of the Old Testament. Verse 45 says, And then he opened their understanding. You see, it's not good enough to hear God's words. It's not enough to read God's words in the pages of our Bibles. We must take it beyond knowledge to understanding what He's saying. They didn't understand before this. Now they understood what He was talking about. All of these scriptures have a common theme. Coming off the glorious time of the previous Sunday, these followers were now sad and sorrowful. They were grieving and scared. They were stressed and despairing. They were depressed and disappointed. They were perplexed and troubled and confused. Their world was turned upside down when Jesus hung on the cross because they didn't understand what He had said. But now, by the power of the resurrected Christ, their world was turned right side up. 
and brought to them comfort and joy and strength and stability and courage and hope and peace all because of the resurrected Christ. What they lacked was faith in what he had already said. God has already given us in his word what he says. Do we believe it or not? It'll determine our reaction to the things that assail us. We must have faith. We must trust Him. Trust is a joyful commitment to Christ. We trust Him solely, committing ourselves to Him wholly. That, my friend, is true triumph. In John 11 and verse 25, 26 and 27, Speaking to Martha after Lazarus had died, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? He said to Martha. Martha, do you believe that I have the power to change Lazarus's life. Do you believe? Do you believe in me? She said, in verse 27, she saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Albert Barnes, in addressing this passage, says this, and I quote, He that loves God when he takes away his comforts has the best evidence possible of true attachment to him. What's your reaction when God begins to remove your comforts? Are you like the disciples were? Or is it evidence that you belong to him? Because you're trusting Him. John 14 and verse 18. Jesus told His disciples, I will not leave you comfortless. He might take some comforts from us, but He's not going to leave us comfortless. I will come to you. Because I live, ye shall live also. I'm reminded of the chorus of a, of a hymn. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fear is gone. Because I know He holds the future. And life is worth the living just because He lives. And so there's a question that remains for us tonight. Believest thou this? Do we really believe what Jesus said? Philippians 3.10, and I close with this. 
that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. Believest thou this? Father, help thou our unbelief. We face these similar kind of situations in our lives. And we find ourselves oft times exactly where these disciples did. At a loss. Having our world turned upside down seemingly with impossible situations. But yet, if we would trust Thee, because You are risen, You are alive, You are working in our life and in our midst, and You will take care of us. Lord, there may be someone here tonight that doesn't even know You. I pray that tonight might be the time when they say, Yes, I believe, Lord. And they trust the Lord Jesus as their personal Savior. For He died for them to save them instead of saving Himself. Thank You. Thank You for what You've done. What a blessed day this represents. We serve a risen Savior. Thank You in Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen.